listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and today we're talking about the big three issues in marriage, and our special topic today is finances. This is such a great topic because it is one of the top three issues, and I did a survey on Instagram this week just to see if this was accurate with the group of Enneagram listeners that we have, and it was really interesting to see that it was one of the big three. But it also really let me know that next week's topic on intimacy is going to be huge. So I really am already starting to prepare for that because I'm realizing this is a bigger topic than I realized for this particular group. And it might be because people in this group are so into research and this group is just advanced in their sense of let's really make sure even this area is going great. I guess it just shed some light on the fact that not everybody has a perfect sex life. And it's already something I knew from these long years of doing marriage work, but it was really interesting for me to see the normal phrenic population struggling a lot too, because I do feel like that's my coaching group. I feel like the people who come to me for coaching are just as healthy, if not healthier than the people who aren't doing any work on themselves professionally. But I often realize that's a judgment too, where I'm like, oh, just because people are getting coaching doesn't mean they're healthier, but it certainly doesn't mean they're unhealthy. I really like how they do their work and they're conscientious and they're intentionally living. So I guess it just reminded me that everybody struggles. And that was a little bit of a nod to all of us who have a four in our tri-type or fours that we need to remember that sometimes when I share these comments about people who are struggling with communication or finances or intimacy, that it's really important that we look at that with a sense of likeness and not judgment, but just compassion. And I think that in that comes compassion to ourselves because we realize we're not alone. So that's why sometimes I give each comment and it's private and I don't share their name, but I do share their comment alone, that individual space, because we're sharing big issues on my IG site. And when I started the site, I realized that It needed to stay organic and real or it wouldn't be anything. So I kind of like that it's tight knit in that sense that we do talk about a lot. And I know you guys are probably like, dude, you are just taking up all of my story space with your many, 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 many stories (laughs) that you share, but they're really your stories. So when I can jump on and head back into the world of solutions, it's fun to work with you guys on things that are bothering you, but it also really was sad for me to see, oh man, like there's a part of me that thought people that were coaching were healthier, but there was another part of me like, well, maybe not. Maybe everybody out there is healthier. Now I'm just like, okay, we're all screwed up, but we help each other. And that's such a good feeling. And it's true and it's real and it's raw. So today we're going to be helping with thinking through the financial crises that people are in. And I'm obviously working with couples on the level of helping couples to trust each other more. And I'm going to be pointing you out to some experts you can turn to if you need somebody who's a financial expert. This is a topic that's often not talked about enough in marriage and in marriage research because people are uncomfortable and it rubs people the wrong way to have people butting into their finances. And some of my clients wouldn't want that. Some of them would and invite that in. But as you can imagine, the big three sometimes are the most difficult to talk about sex, finances, and communication because two of those big three are taboo to talk about in our culture. So I think it's a really good topic for us here 
especially because I do have a personal story with it. Wes and I had a really well-intentioned childhood with our parents in finance, but we had to learn a lot of it on our own because our parents weren't working with much money. It was the 1980s and 90s when we were being raised and my dad was a teacher and my mom was a teacher, but she retired early on to take care of her four kids. So it wasn't like there was probably any real money to play around with and to really discuss and to learn about. And there was also the same kind of heritage on my husband's side. So when we started learning about money, it was really from ourselves and our own experiences where it didn't go right, like first credit cards and then medical school credit cards. And we've had some amazing growth in this area. So even though we're no Dave Ramsey, We do understand why couples can argue about money and we have been there and I've been there with couples in my practice and I've also been through the Dave Ramsey course and I've been through the system at our church where we had it come through as many of you probably had and still going huge, his Financial Peace University where we really all learn together as a culture, I think a lot of us in the Christian culture how to talk about money, how to really use money, how to not overuse money. And it really blessed my family a lot to work with that system. And I don't think that it's the only system. Obviously, there's a lot of great systems. But I do want to tell you guys that the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University is a wonderful and simple system to get you started if you're thinking about that. And I'm sure by now on Pinterest, there are tons and tons of worksheets for you to work on together. And I'm going to share a freebie this week on my newsletter. So it goes out today, but I also send it out later in the week. If you're late to hop onto my newsletter at reflectioncc.com or enneagramandmarriage.com. And I'm sharing a financial worksheet for you guys to start out your budget with if you don't have one. But I also want to let you know that This is the kind of thing that breaks up marriages sometimes. And I don't mean to be sobering with that, but I do at the same time because I want you guys to make it. I want you to heal. I want you to be able to talk things out. And it's really a topic that can build a lot of resentment when you don't have it going the way it needs to go. And every single Enneagram type has their own way of looking at money. And for some, especially those who have a self-preservation subtype, They want to even hoard it at times. They want to make sure that they have enough. And for those who have a social subtype, they want to give it. They want to share it. They want to make sure it goes to the places and people it needs to to help and to secure things in society. And for those with an intimate subtype, they want to make sure that their relationship with their person is okay and that their person feels loved and taken care of and that they feel loved and taken care of in that relationship. So sometimes our types have something to say about how we behave with money, but sometimes I think subtypes have an even better indicator because even in the polls I've taken, I've met sevens that love to invest their money and even financial planners that are sevens, but I've met some that are just like, oh, I'm a free thinker and every single bit of money I get, I want to put towards traveling. And I'm using the seven example because I know that that's one that has a large dichotomy, but I also want you to know that goes with almost every type. Let me give you another example. A six we might think of or a five as people who would really want to scrimp and pinch, but Sometimes they're doing it in a self-preservation mode where they're buying up a lot of things. They are buying security measures for their family with the extra fund money. And the rest of the family is saying, I know you care. I know you're looking at troubleshooting for us down the road, 
But right now, we're not having any resources. We don't have good food. We don't have vacations. And so there are ways you could spin it for every single type. And I think that'd be a waste of our time to just spin it per type for this particular episode. So I'm happy to say I have three points to get through with you guys. And the first of which in finances is making sure that you talk about your finances after this episode together so that you guys can be aligned in your goals. Even if you have different interests, hopes, and dreams, being aligned is everything. And I really want to make sure that you guys Don't forget to be open about your communication because financial infidelity is a real thing. And a lot of couples just don't talk about it. They think, well, I have a private credit card that they don't know about and I don't want them to hear about it and get mad at me. Or I have a private savings account because I need to know that I can always jet off and run if needed. And it really goes back to, do you trust yourself? Do you trust God versus you need to hide from your spouse? And if you have a spouse that you need to hide everything from, then you have bigger problems, frankly, because you really need to realize you're worth it. You're worth it to make sure that you're safe and covered with money in terms of if anything happens. And I really want you to understand that hammering these kinds of conversations out about whether we have health insurance or whether we have childcare money or whether we have an emergency savings, you're worth it. So I know it's a fearful topic to say, I'm going to broach this with somebody where it might cause conflict. It's a good conflict. There are so many people out there that have neglected the topic because they're afraid and it makes them uncomfortable, but it's a real, you're worth it. It's a really important topic. I can't stress that enough. You're made in the image of God and you're made well, but you also need to feel free to say, hey, what am I going to do if there's an emergency in our life. How are we secured? And to be open about that, you don't have to do the dance around it and say, well, that's uncomfortable. And what if they're mad at me? Or what if I make them unhappy? You might temporarily, but it's worth it because after pain comes joy. That's a Bible verse. It's a life truth. And I really want you to understand it because it's really important to not leave your spouse in the dark about the finances because if you're Or for another reason, perhaps you're what, like I said, somebody who's in that hoarding season where you're thinking, if I tell them, they'll spend it all. So what's most important is that you guys figure out a way to trust each other with money, even if that means you'd keep all of your money separate. And so many people right there probably just took a screeching halt when I said that, but you really have to understand that maybe you're the couple who has been handed down a financial legacy and you really feel that every single couple should keep all their money together. I want you to understand that that's a wonderful idea and it's the ideal. So there is a good should part of that. But what you probably wouldn't know unless you were somebody sitting in my shoes and in the shoes of financial planners or marriage counselors or coaches or pastors is that People have complex lives. Some people I've met have arrangements they made with a parent to own a house before they ever met their spouse. Some people have money tied in with an ex-spouse or disability issues. And there are so many complexities and spiderwebbed integrations into our financial situations and marriage and blended family issues and inheritance issues and tax issues that we can't begin to judge others for not 
following the exact same pattern and method we do in our finances. But what I can say on that first point is you need to be open and clear so that you can have a roadmap so that you guys can get to the point where maybe you do have so much conflict about this, but it's with love, respect, and compassion. So you're like, even though I so get where you're coming from, and then that's your style and that's your type and that's your heritage and that's your history, that's not me. So how are we going to solve this? And then you might say, well, you do keep that property with your mother, or I do understand that you have something that happened before if we decide to tie the knot that we have to think about, or there's a couple who wants the prenuptial agreement because they've been cheated terribly before. This is all going to be decided through these conversations where you hash it out, and yes, they are going to be uncomfortable, but like I said, financial infidelity is a real thing. I actually had the news station come and interview me once about this, and it was a fascinating topic. So that's number one. Number two is that you guys do need a budget. As your money gets and this is a good thing, more complex because you're making more, you need to make sure that you are stewarding it well. And start now, even if you don't have much money, because it'll just flow a lot nicer and you'll make sure things are already on track and organized when you are making more money. So something we did when we learned the Dave Ramsey system was we updated our budget that my husband being a one had already made for us. And we'd had this spreadsheet going in Excel years and years ago and moved it over to Google but I really want you guys to understand that there are even more amazing programs out there now. And I'll name a couple more at the end of the episode because of course that's a very basic system, but it works for us. In addition, my husband has some apps, like I said, I'll share at the end. But I really want you guys to know that the most basic apps that are free are fine to start your budget with. So that's the good news. You don't need anything fancy and you already have it at your fingertips. You can get started today if you don't have one. I have our budget pulled up and it's really nicely showing what money is coming in regularly and with consistency and money that we know is coming from, say, taxes or anything extra, you have a little column for that too, so that you can see what's ahead, what's behind, where you've been, and where you're going with your money. So make sure you do yours out a bit too, so that right now we have ours going through July 31st, and I'm recording this in May, so that we can see a couple months ahead at what's happening, and we can find out, is there an extra week where my husband gets paid where we could save that money? or use it for a vacation or something that feels like, okay, this is, and maybe pay a debt off. I don't want you guys to feel like, oh gosh, I'm just trying to put food on the table. We all get it that there are different seasons and different struggles. And I think that that's what I want you to hear as well when I'm saying, oh, I'm going through my budget. But I really want you to understand we've had those seasons. We were actually the model couple. That's probably the wrong word, <laughs> but the guinea pig couple, I'll say that at our church, which has thousands of people. It's a mega church and has several campuses. And when the Dave Ramsey program came through, we worked so hard on improving our communication and establishing our budget that the money we saved was in the high thousands. And it was a fun thing, but also very scary to be the couple that 
launched the series with our church, with our video and our story. And it was a dramatic story. So it was really hard, like I said, but really beautiful. And it meant so much to my husband to be able to share it because he's a social subtype. So he was like, everything we do, I want shared in terms of our story because I want people to learn from it. And then there's me hovering in self-preservation mode, like, oh, this is scary. But as a seven, I understood. I was like, this is a good story. There's so much joy in it because my husband had even ridden his bike to work for about a year in order to save and not have to pay a car payment anymore. And it was a really dramatic story. And we had decided that we would stop being renters and living in apartments after medical school. And it was a really important time in our life. We lived in an apartment for a while and then the apartment got mold and my daughter's allergic. So it was a really dramatic experience of friendships and survival and getting our home, which was our dream home, which is nothing extravagant, but very nice home and It is really a cool story, so I was really happy to share it, but also scared to share it because it was such a big one, and I love that we have that in our past so that we now know we'll never get back to that place where we're either, now I understand more about his three achiever side, and we always understood my seven side, which loves vacations and spending money and things like that, but his three side was throwing me off because he was saying, oh my gosh, I really want to save and to give, but sometimes he would come up with the things that I've said in past episodes, like I want this really nice car or something like that, that seemed to throw our budget off. So now he's had to face that. And what we've decided with my end of the money is that because my money that comes in is not ever going to be the same in a private practice, you're going to have ebb and flow. And because one of the top values for both of us is the children I can't take on as many clients as somebody who's working full time. So all of that said, the money that I make goes separately into our budgeting and it's for things that are not essentials. So that's sometimes how people work it out where they think, okay, the money that's every week coming in is essential. So on our budget sheet, we know this money's coming in and it does this, but we also use the money that I come in, that I bring in to do other good things for the family, but there are things that we could live without if we had to. And some of those things you wouldn't want to live without because they're really important, but you don't want to make sure that those are the things you're relying on because I'm not going to ever, and I've worked with people who have done this where they're like, I'm going to keep people working with me so that I can get more money. And they don't say it outwardly, but you can kind of tell like once you become their client, you're locked in and they have to meet with you weekly and you can project onto people, you have to come and meet with me again. And it's just something that we decided when I first started my private practice, people would come and go through my practice as needed. And a lot of my clients are lifers in the sense that they're like, oh good, you're my person. I found somebody that if I have stress, I can work through with or we can come back for maintenance with, but they're not compelled to come back because I'm always nagging at them too. They're really just coming back because they want to. And that's really a great thing for a seven. I literally love that. And 
my husband is really on board with that. He gets that about my job. And when I do take on a little bit more than he likes, he tells me and says, hey, I thought you were going to take Wednesdays for a decompress day or to rest or to just be mom and to just be with the kids. And so we have a good level of accountability there. And that might be a lesson for some of you who need to let go of some control of your spouse if they're a different type or for somebody who can relate and say, yeah, we have an unorthodox situation with our money too. And this is how we work at it. So we budget that in, but we put that in the bottom of the budget where these are the things that could go if they needed to. And I want to give you a little bit of flesh to put on that. So I'm going to look at our budget and show you that those are the things like dance lessons or it's not on here, but it could be lawn care. And it's the things like vacation savings. It's the things like piano lessons, toiletries, skincare, presents for family and friends. These are the kinds of things that ebb and flow that work really well with your side hustle. And I hate to call all my years of training a side hustle right now, but I'm going to use that language because I think it is a side hustle. It's not our money that we count on. And it also lends me to be a mom if I need to find a season where I don't work at all. It's like, you know what? You'd be scrimping and pinching, but you'd be fine and you'd find a way. And maybe then I would do an actual side hustle that was less attractive for me personally. But it's unlikely because after I learned my self-care, I I really don't expect me to burn out on this field like I did in my late 20s, early 30s. That was really because I did not know how to get proper self-care and rest when I did have to move to a different job industry. And it was crazy, but it worked. And it got my husband through medical school. And it gave me a mental rest when I needed one. And at that point, my budget was the big one and his was the side hustle. So side hustle, again, is not, you know, you don't call medical school a side hustle because you're saving lives and delivering babies. But what you do say is this is not the money we can count on. So for us, it is a side hustle. So just keep that in mind that it doesn't mean your job is not important or valuable just because it isn't the main money. And I also want to remind you as you're making your budget to do this together because One of you is probably better at remembering the birthdays that come in and planning for that. One of you is better at knowing that the lawn guy gets paid every 15th of the month or that the cable bill comes in on the first and you guys just need a system. You need to know who's going to do the automated billing, where the password's stored, and you guys do need to grow up. I'm thinking about the cute couple on Parks and Rec. Andy and April were so cute on that episode where they talked to Ben and he's like a one slash six and he's like, you have to have a budget. Are you kidding me? And their bills are all stacked in the freezer because they don't want to look at them. And he gives them money to go to Bed Bath & Beyond and they take it and they want to buy marshmallow shooters but they end up deciding that they have to buy the spatula and a fork so that they have utensils, but that they will buy a marshmallow shooter too, just one. I even recently had a couple where their faiths were different and we were able to come to the place where we realized, you know, you can give money even if you don't have faith. And I know a lot of people are thinking, duh, but some of the others of you might be thinking, I didn't really think about that, that maybe you don't tithe, but you still like to give. So we were able to think about causes that both of them felt excited to give towards that may or may not have had a stamp of faith on them, but made them both feel like they were giving and loving and serving the world as unto Jesus or just as unto their own moral code. So this is not a closed door conversation if you don't share the same faith. I really think you guys can do well with this, and I'm excited to hear. I have very good memories of my mom sharing her tithe when my dad was in a season where he didn't have much faith. 
And it was really important to her to tithe. And she used to tithe out of the money that he gave her as a housewife. She had some fun money to spend. And you guys know about fun money if you know about Dave Ramsey. And you always have some money that you just have as your pocket money. So the pocket money that she had, she tithed out of it. And it was just beautiful to see how that money went. And I was reading one of her letters recently, and she was really beautifully talking about how she was giving her last money to something from that money. And she was so thankful. She said, I know that I've always been a giver and I don't like to really keep my money for myself. So she was listing out the ways she had spent the money and it was all for other things and other people. But she said, I really enjoy it and love it. And we've never starved yet. And it was just this beautiful moment for me to look back on a mother's legacy. And yes, my dad did save, have a pension. And I actually am so grateful that I still get money from that pension. There's a planning system that goes on that you can bless your kids and your grandkids if you have that in place. And it's not a lot, but it's really cool. And my mom was yet giving every last dollar and they were married. So she was covered and they always had their needs met. And it was a great reflection for me as a self-preservation type who's married to a social type, him and my mom, Wes and my mom got along really well. And I feel like it really blessed me just to read those words of, I love giving and God's always taken care of me and seen me through. So even if you're that spouse who's doing what we always refer to as the widow's might with my mom, giving these small amounts in great faith, Jesus really saw that in the Bible when that woman did that and said, this woman's given more than these people who you think are giving thousands and millions, but this woman gave everything she had and she's blessed and she has more faith. So don't forget to give in your talks about money as you open up to each other, as you set your budget to out together. It's been some of our joys and how we've worked it out with me where I don't have the same, I a little bit more have my dad was an eight. So I have that eight wing going sometimes along with the self-preservation. It's fun and it reminds me to balance out my social subtype and my intimate subtype because I'm thinking about one foster child. I'm really thinking about one person. And we also have a church that we belong to. And there are other places where we decided to give a long time ago and we keep giving or that we change with the season and the tides as they come in and roll out where we'll give. And honestly, just like my mom said, God's always taking care of us. So it's been really the only place we had to work out those issues was with me saying, I want to have a say in where our money goes, because when we give, I want it to be used well. And that just makes me feel so peaceful and safe to know that I'm totally covered and I've stewarded the money well if I've given it away. And my husband feels the same way. So find the places where you meet and greet and see each other. And I think he would give every last dollar away if he could. So I'm happy I have somebody like that. And that's another thing I've said before. Before on here, as a stereotype, people wouldn't necessarily think ones were that way, but he's so giving and his two helper wing, we do think this about too sometimes, they want to give to everybody. So it's nice to have a balance. And so don't be discouraged if that's you and your spouse where one likes vacations more and one likes to give more and one likes to save more because honestly, you need some push and some pull and some faith in God for this. So communication, budgeting, and of course, giving is included in that budgeting. And then last savings. 
because you do need to understand that part of being an adult like April and Andy had to learn is saving for a rainy day. They come and you have them. We had that this summer with an air conditioner that went out. And in Florida during COVID, when that happens, I guess it was spring. It always feels like summer here. It's important to pay attention to. And it's upwards of $6,000 to fix. So you can't just say, I'm going to be a homeowner, but we're never going to have any money saved. You have to really say, what am I going to do when we hit a place where we can't afford something or potentially can't afford something? And are we going to have our money in various spots or in just one spot? Because sometimes we're going to need to pull it out quickly. So we need a savings account. Sometimes we're not going to be able to touch that money very quickly. So we do some kind of a mutual fund. Sometimes we want to play with the money and make more from it like stocks and investments. And I know mutual funds and savings can be investments too. But there's just different things we can do with our money in order to make sure that we have it saved for the appropriate seasons. And for some of you who are saying, I really don't have any money to save, I do want to encourage you to at least go to Pinterest or another website like the Dave Ramsey website and look at the basics. Look at the freebie that I'm sharing through my email this week. Make sure you're getting the basics done because you can find yourself saving even just $1,000 is a great place to start before you even take care of bills. Because what if you need that emergency root canal? And what if you have maxed out credit cards and you don't have anywhere to turn? And as a married couple, you don't want to turn to parents. I know neither of us were ever able to turn to parents on our financial journey, but it really helped us as a couple to really have to depend on, like I said, God, each other, being organized, being thoughtful, being communicative. So there's a blessing that comes with every single thing. And plus, as you guys know, sometimes the couples I've worked with who have a financial legacy from their parents that's substantial, they have these feelings of dread or owing. And so I really want you to work on moving towards financial independence as a couple so that you don't have to do that. And I'm happy if you have some support that both of you appreciate and there's no strings attached. But I also want you to understand there's something beautiful about the grassroots mentality of we worked hard for this and this is what we have and this is what we want to steward and pass on to our kids like we learn in Proverbs. So make sure that you're thinking about, yes, we need fun and we need things that will keep us going with little trips or whatever it's going to be that keeps you guys feeling like you're in the green with energy and with spending and that you're not just always saving. But make sure also that even if, like I said, it's saving $50 a month that you're working towards a savings account. I think you're going to be really blessed by that. And even if you just keep that first thousand tucked away while you pay off other debts and bills, you should see that snowball effect. Once you start, it keeps rolling. And that's the Dave Ramsey system that I'm referring to when I say snowball effect. And another word he uses a lot is gazelle intensity. With that gazelle intensity, you can really find that you meet your financial goals. And I can't tell you how wonderful it was for us to get our first car with cash after the crazy bike riding times where the kids were in a bike trailer and I was biking to my office. We still had one car, but sometimes my husband would need it for work because it was raining and it was just an intense season. And we love looking back on it. We're like, God brought us through this crazy season. We saved a truckload of money. I think it was upwards of $60,000 that we paid off very quickly. And it was really a cool time. 
after it was a stressful time first with the communication talks, with the budget talks of what are we going to spend on? What are we going to save on? And sometimes we even rewarded ourselves with things where we would say, okay, well, we don't want to miss on a trip to Michigan to see family this year. So even though we're going to go into an apartment and ride the bike and do these intense things, we're still going to spend that time going to see somebody's parents. And I remember we gave 18 nieces and nephews, we gave them each $5 gift cards that year for Christmas. And they were just places like Starbucks cards and everybody was happy and grateful. And a lot of them don't really talk to us throughout the year because they're too good for us now that they're like 20 and they're like, oh my gosh, you're so annoying. I'm just joking. But yeah, you know how it is like when you're 20 and you're living your life and you're inviting your aunt and uncle to your wedding but you're not necessarily hanging out because you're living in different states and you see each other on Instagram. And some of the nieces and nephews, when you have this many, some of them are more regular and they do talk to you on a weekly basis, but you still don't want them to think you've forgotten them. And that's a huge thing for both of us because we're the type of aunt and uncle who, before we were parents, we were the aunt and uncle who always had sleepovers and we were just into these kids' lives, like loving them like we loved our kids and still loving them to these depths that gets us in trouble sometimes because we're like, oh my gosh, we love them so much. But it was really important that year that we said, okay, well, we're putting our kids through this life without a car. It was just a little intense for them, particularly when our daughter's asthma started to react from the mold. So we had to hustle immediately. We had to get out soon, sooner than expected. There was trauma, tragedy, you name it, through the system. I don't want you to think it was easy or that it will be easy for you guys but you don't have to do it as dramatically as we did either. You might want to, that might be where you're at and who you are, but it was the way we did it. You might say, we're gonna start really tiny and we're gonna keep everything and we're not gonna cut back on any expenses or luxuries. And that's okay because that made sense to you at that time. And that made sense to me at the time we did it. My daughter, who's our nine, who had the mold issue and mold allergy says, hey, if it wasn't for me, we wouldn't even be in this house because we had to move faster because of that. She was absolutely right. It took us a long time to figure out what was wrong. But as soon as we figured it out, we had just kind of one last mad dash for about two months and we were just done and we saved our money, got our house. And she's like, you guys would have probably waited another year or two. And she's absolutely right. We would have. But sometimes God moves you faster than you would have moved otherwise because things happen in your life. Don't let control take over where you're thinking, no, we had it set this way. It was going to be this amount let God guide you because sometimes things happen that you don't expect. He will take care of you. As my mom reminded me, and I still think on that sometimes, save, but don't save to the point of not having anything to give. Give out of your heart so that it hurts, so that it counts. And hopefully like mom, it becomes beautiful when you find your place to give as I finally found my special place to give. And even though I was giving before to our kids, I really feel like the stretch that I made from giving just to my own kids was how my self-preservation mode worked and how I got the freedom to really see what true sacrifice in giving is because you can have those call of the wild moments where it's just about you and it's just about your kin. Or you can really say, I love all kids and this love extends to all of God's children, which is everybody on the planet and the planet itself. So you might be somebody who's passionate and brought to tears through environmental giving, which is huge right now and probably always will be because we've destroyed our planet so much. Or perhaps you're really feeling tearful when you think about people who are in the sex trafficking world 
Or when you think about children in Africa who don't have water, and I know the Bridge of Life is actually building an orphanage there too, so it makes me happy that I've picked an organization that's multifaceted and really thinks of not only the kids, but the foster families they're supporting and tries to nurture them and give them trauma trainings and They really are an eclectic, wonderful, integrative organization that is not judgmental. And I feel like for me, it was just like a, like, oh my gosh, I found a great place that makes me feel safe to give. So make sure you feel safe about it and good, but make sure you're saving too so that you can meet your goals and you have something to be excited about because that's really important to this whole momentum, conversation, communication, budgeting, giving, saving process is that you have something to look forward to. And yes, that's me being a seven future thinker, but it's also me remembering that You can't just look to the past. You have to look at now what's happening. Do we have enough money if we have something happen like the AC goes out? Or do we have enough where we have something that's going to help us to look forward to something? And that might be an issue you need to talk through in your marriage because maybe you and your husband or wife are not right there agreeing on what are the future goals. So I know that's okay. I know that you can find places where you can agree to disagree and that you might say, well, we're going to go with saving for my event this time and we're going to go with saving for your extra savings this time because these are the things that matter most to us. And of course, not just something selfish like, oh, this one's going to go towards my next 20 facials, but something that's Maybe unless that's a value for both, which I could see it being in some cases a value for both high value. If somebody's like, oh, I just love that about you. You have the best, smoothest skin. And this is a very high value for me too. So if you're the one who's the spender, make sure that it's spent on things that you and your spouse both value because there are things that you both value. It's not just that you have to spend money on something you value. Maybe you've always wanted these certain lessons or this gaming app, or it's something bigger, a whole gaming system. If you find the thing that you love or a few things that you love, bring those to your spouse and say, when we do spend money, which of these excites you to spend on? And if they say none of them, then come back to the drawing board. If you're a spender, you probably like to spend on a lot of different things. Find something that they would be interested or enthusiastic about spending on when it's time to spend. One of the things my husband had a hard time with that I always wanted to spend on and still like spending on is vacations that aren't involving extended family. You heard how many nieces and nephews we have and we love each one and they're on both sides of the family. So there's not one of us who's like, oh my gosh, like they're not important. We don't care about that. Like we both, and I'm sure you're not that way either, but we're both super invested in these kids and our kids and the community kids and the kids we see in our practices. So it's like we're kid people. We love hard. And I really like to take a vacation once a year just for us for about a week just to decompress. And that was so hard for my compassionate two-wing husband to really come around but eventually he did and he realized that our kids were saying dad we love going on these vacations to family but these feel like missions trips and these are really precious and important to us and so I think that that finally moved him to be at more peace with it even though he would do them with me more begrudgingly his spirit was tense because he felt guilty he felt that one criticism of self and others and he felt like Maybe I don't deserve it. I don't know. I'm not inside his head. Or maybe 
we, I love giving. So that's enough for me. And he was like my mom in that way. But I also know that my heritage with my mom was she was from the East coast and she was raised really well off, not protect, you know, she was actually, it was a very big deal for her to go be with my dad because he was a Democrat Catholic union guy who was from a Croatian immigrant family. So she was really walking away from, as dad often talked about this silver spoon to be with him. So one of the things she taught me was that she gave her last, but she also really loved to have a vacation yearly and go to the Cape Cod and meet her aunts and relatives and talk about all the big things that she left behind for love. And it was a very romantic story, but that's hard. And she still liked to have those vacations and I still like to have vacations. And so we worked it out and the kids really brought to light. I think a new generation had to be born for my husband to hear it's okay and you have permission to take a rest even if it's not a missions trip rest. But I have to be clear, and some of the ones can probably relate to this or the twos, that he really is such a kind, giving person that he would probably have, and he's so physically strong, that he probably would have just as much fun if he did just missions trips. It's just that he had to negotiate that he wasn't the only person to consider that there were four others and the littles were saying, hey, dad, like I love visiting people, but sometimes it's dysfunctional. It doesn't feel good. And he's really one to be able to say, well, I'm helping and I'm beloved in the system and I've been the hero of the family. So it makes sense that he would be like, this is a comfortable, good place and role for me to fill. And I feel grief assuaged when I go and step in, especially since we did move out of state. But it was also important for us to look at money spending and saving for things that really didn't make sense all the time. And they maybe are a bit more romantic, but they bring quality to life for the family at large. So I'm really thankful that he was able to see that. And I'm also, like I said, thankful that he's able to have fun and make a missions trip fun. And some of you have been on those kinds of missions trips where you're visiting people who maybe don't have the same quality of life standards as you do because they've been in a trauma situation, or maybe it's because their physical situation has been very dire. But you might say, well, we went mountain hiking or we also got to ride jet skis on that trip. And he's the type who would do that. He wouldn't just be 24-7 working, but he really does have a good heart to have fun wherever he's at when he's giving with people socially because that's his penchant. That's his subtype. So make sure that you consider that when you're thinking about how can we give? How can we rest? How can we spend? How can we save? Because it really helps to have compassion on others' perspectives. And you can see that I've done my work too. To even say that tells you that I've done some work to understand that he's not doing that to be mean. It's just truly a blind spot because he really loves giving and it feels like a vacation to him to give. And I've heard one say it's like the fluttering of angels wings sometimes when they get to give in particular ways to extended family or to missions. So it's really to each his own as far as what the need is and try not to overdo with vacations either and think it's all about you. I hope I've moved you to both sides of that conversation as you think about being a spender and a saver so that you have some mutual goals and really make sure that you don't hide money from each other. Communicate even if it means you developing your voice and your backbone more. You're worth it. Your budget is going to bless you because it's going to show you where you're headed and where you've been and how much money is coming in. And you're going to really feel good when you also give and save as well. Because even if it's just a 
dollar a day, you're moving towards a goal and you're making your future more secure. And that's going to bless you guys so much in your marriage. And I feel like this has been a very power packed episode. So I'm happy to say that I'm going to give you the referrals so that you, you have just that much more to go into your conversations with your spouse. So don't forget, you can go to DaveRamsey.com and you can also go to YouNeedABudget.com and you can also go to Quicken.com. Those are the three links I wanted to give you because I know those are all great places to start, whether you have a small business involved or not in your finances. These are awesome places where you can get tools and you can get free worksheets and you can also sign up for my newsletter so you have my financial free worksheet but these are this is their specialty so make sure you get to one of these or share yours this week on the Instagram and I'll share it too if you know of a really great place where you've learned about budgeting I'm really happy to share more great tips and places so go ahead and share them in our community and I really really thank you guys for an awesome episode I will see you soon 